Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Emergencies. I'm Rebecca Richards and I'm joined today by Josephine Greenbrook, who is a lecturer and researcher in healthcare sciences, migration medicine, transcultural psychiatry and medical law at the University of Gothenburg. And she's also a deputy director of the Mason Institute here at the University of Edinburgh. And today we're talking about the relationship between the COVID-19 pandemic, vulnerability and communities of undocumented migrants and refugees. This is Just Emergencies, the podcast where we show that global health emergencies are anything but just. In each episode, we'll explore an issue, question or event that makes us think about global health emergencies, humanitarian crises and how to best respond to them. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, Josephine, and thank you so much for joining me today um, to share your expertise with us. Thank you so much for having me. So your work and your research is focused a lot around the issue of migration medicine, and you pay particular attention to the cases of undocumented immigrants. So that's a big area of interest. So in the current COVID-19 pandemic, would you say that refugees and asylum seekers are a particularly vulnerable group? The, the quick answer to that uh, would be yes, but then we'd have to start discussing all kinds of different aspects of what we mean by vulnerability. And also, I know that a lot of people feel quite uncomfortable with the idea of the word vulnerability. And also, of course, uh, in my work where I meet undocumented migrants a lot, I think they would also object to the word uh, vulnerable. And also when we speak of migrants more broadly, uh, it's such a heterogeneous group that it's very difficult to discuss vulnerability as a whole. But if we were to um, broadly or perhaps grossly generalize issues of health and issues of safety and um, well, broadly, I would say issues relating directly to the pandemic and issues of justice in relation to healthcare access, in relation to safety from exploitation or safety from kind of many precarious situations that uh, these groups tend to uh, pertain to, I would say that they are absolutely more vulnerable than the general population. They're also more vulnerable because in many ways they are left in positions that make them vulnerable. So I would say they aren't necessarily vulnerable, they're made vulnerable. <laughs> and I know that this has been argued by many people, I'm absolutely not alone on that position, but we do have to discuss the issues of of power in some ways here, because I think that there's a lot of discussion uh, in uh, global health or uh, migration medicine or even public health more broadly that talks about empowering people to remain healthy or to become more healthy or, or empowering people through preventative uh, strategies and approaches and treatments. But the problem with that is that as soon as we have those approaches to empowerment, we also have the possibility to disempower a large percentage of people who don't have access to these things or who are excluded from these things. And I would say that uh, migrants more broadly and uh, absolutely undocumented migrants and asylum seekers are very often left in a position where they are excluded through different regulatory measures um, or policies or uh, simply just access, um, affordability and many other aspects. And they're also largely impacted by measures. 
that are otherwise supposed to protect the majority. And I think that that's perhaps where we can discuss vulnerability more broadly. So it's like a systemic or a structural vulnerability that is then somehow embodied by these populations. I guess that was <laughs> the longer answer. <laughs> well, well, no, I think that's a really important distinction to make. And that's something that we've been trying to do throughout the project in general, sort of stress that idea of made vulnerable. And it's, it's such a structural issue. So I think that nuance is definitely appreciated and needed. And I think that there's also um, a broader issue in relation to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. I think that there is a, a broader issue in relation to agency and the idea that everybody can just stay at home or everybody can just seek help if they get sick. And I think that this is also something I've been seeing in a lot of language used and rhetoric used, stay home stay safe, which is what everybody is saying nowadays, right? And I know that they're absolutely meant uh, well. I think that they put a lot of responsibility on the individual. It makes people think that everybody is responsible for the harm that may occur if they didn't take care of themselves or if they didn't stay safe or if they didn't stay home and these types of things. And I think it removes uh, responsibilities from certain state initiatives that should actually be protecting people because we need a certain amount of freedom to keep people safe but we also need a certain amount of restrictions to keep people safe so i think it's absolutely complex and we and we will uh sadly probably only know in retrospect how best we could have done and considering all of that what do you think the most urgent ethical issues are that we should be attending to when we're talking about improving the COVID-19 situation or how we're dealing with that in relation to undocumented migrants? Okay, so I'm going to try to answer this from a global perspective rather than thinking of specific countries because we do have absolute, in the European context, we, for example, have plenty of camps where migrants are broadly kept, I would say, some undocumented, some registered somewhere in the European continent uh, because of different Dublin measures and so on. But Keeping people uh, restricted in close quarters is 100%, not only unethical, but it's it's a public health and patient safety issue. And it's a, it's a safety issue also for whoever is in the camp who might not be sick, but also for those who are sick, who do get sick. And it will absolutely be a public health disaster um, if uh, it starts spreading, just like we've seen in uh, prisons and other places where people are confined to, to smaller spaces in close quarters, right? Then I would say there's also the other aspect that is also on a global level. If we think about undocumented migration leading to a lot of exploitation in relation to precarious work uh, or to um, trafficking and these type of things, so sexual, sexual violence. So if we take the precarious work first, uh, we see that undocumented migrants, for example, in the U.S. context, are actually working in a lot of the the fields that are still considered essential, so farming and and other things, right? So they are essentially still necessary, and they will keep they will keep employing these populations on the black market, and yet these people are also essentially unprotected in every way. They're unprotected from any legal measures in in relation to their employer, uh, so their employer has no real legal obligations because everything is in the dark. But they're also unprotected, unprotected in relation to health and healthcare seeking. And so I think it's quite interesting to see this idea of essential workers being essentially unprotected. And I think that that is something that should be explored and will be explored from, from many perspectives, I believe. Then we also have issues, if we think more, more broadly, ethical issues in relation to human rights and the protection of those. I think that 
we do have to pay special attention to children and women, mostly because not only um, legal aspects of international law uh, dictate that, but also more broadly, they do tend to be uh, in more precarious situations, but also they tend to be confined to the stay home measures. And we are seeing an increase in violence, domestic violence. We're seeing an increase of uh, general abuse. But also we're seeing restricted measures in different aspects in relation to uh, sexual and reproductive health. It's an easy, easy situation right now to motivate restricting healthcare services uh, that are considered uh, unessential to some and very much essential to others, right? Um, and especially if there are politics involved, it's always easy to uh, to politicize uh, migration and undocumented migration specifically. So I think that that the ethical issues, if we were to discuss more broadly, it's protecting essential workers, protecting the right to work, and especially if they're needed. And this includes, I think, now we're discussing undocumented migration, but also in, in most countries far by far, uh, asylum seekers don't have a right to work either, right? So, so they also seek precarious work and unprotected work and are easily the victims of exploitation in that, uh, in that sense. Um, and then there's the issue of women and children. And I think that maybe those should be discussed separately because women have an issue of their own in relation to, to sexual violence and abuse, but also in relation to reproductive health or sexual and reproductive health rights more broadly. And then children have uh, the right to a childhood, the right to education, uh, the right to a smooth transition to adulthood for teenagers. And I think that the situation, and this might be more global, not just migration or it's a human experience. I think that um, many of the measures that are put in place right now render children particularly vulnerable in the home. You mentioned before that hindsight will be a valuable tool. What are the lessons we should learn from this? How can we improve pandemic responses in the future, but also hopefully now for this pandemic? Yeah, I think this is a really difficult one because <laughs> humans are notoriously bad at learning from their lessons. I mean, we uh, we don't have to look very far back to SARS or different pandemics that we've seen in recent years, but also just if we look historically, um, and we seem to have learned very little, even though we've, of course, learned a lot as well. But the preparedness levels were nowhere near what they needed to be. Obviously, we see that now. I think that one thing we will learn and that we're already seeing now is that governments that do not have sustainable human rights measures in place will suffer human rights citations or at least uh, risk to suffer because the cracks in whatever you know sustainable uh, um, structure they may have developed over time are shown quite explicitly in this moment right so if they didn't have the right protections for women and children if they didn't have the right for the workplace or for safety in the workplace or these types of things, if they didn't have enough healthcare staff, if they don't have enough healthcare beds, if they don't, all these things uh, are somehow all of a sudden made explicit. And the question is, if we will learn from this, if governments will respond to these obvious deficiencies that we are now all seeing, that normally are just discussed in theory, but now they've become so real because people see them, right? People know somebody who's sick or has died. People know somebody who's losing their jobs. People people might be that somebody. Uh, so I think that um, everything becomes more salient. I think many populations now... Um, migrant or not, are accepting of the fact that, you know, some resources are scarce. People are empathic to the situation because we're kind of all in this together. And the problem is that I think that what we will learn from this, and we will see it on specific countries where public health will show that the general health of the population was weaker from the start. 
so these populations will be more impacted. And by that I mean, for example, we will see that if you were unhealthy or if you uh, die largely disproportionately because you are of another skin color or of another background, that will show that in the system somehow we had issues in relation to this, either before you got sick or the reason why you got sick or how we responded to that sickness. So I do think that we will see not only issues of inequality, issues of injustice, issues of equity more broadly. The question is just if we will listen and learn and do something about it. Well, let's hope then that we can break the mold and that we will learn um, and improve in the future. Uh, so thank you very much for for sharing your thoughts with me. That was very valuable. I'm not going to say stay safe. Um, I will wish you and your family and your loved ones um, all the best in, in this time. Yes, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So that's it for today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Episode transcripts are available below the episode description. We also have show notes on our website where we not only list all the references mentioned in this episode, but also give you some further resources if you're interested in learning more about today's topic. If you have any questions, comments or ideas for topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes, please email us at ghe at ed.ac.uk. We're also on Twitter as at Mitra and Rev underscore Richards. Be sure to check out and explore our website justice and global health emergencies and humanitarian crises for more great content just go to www.ghe.law.ed.ac.uk forward slash thanks for listening and see you again for the next episode this podcast is edited and produced by rebecca richards and made with funding from the wellcome trust